Hi everyone, welcome to HubShots episode 210. In this episode we discuss paying for content, plus we dig into HubSpot PySync. You'll listen to Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot focused podcast, where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks, and strategies for growing your sales, marketing, and service results. My name is Ian Jack from Search and Be Found, and with me is Craig Belly from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? I'm well, Ian, and I'm feeling well read. Uh, you'll remember last episode we talked about the fact that we both subscribe to a few newsletters that That's we actually right. read, as opposed to all the hundreds of newsletters we've subscribed to but never read. And also, we actually pay for some content. So, in our great thought, let's chat through some of the newsletters that we actually read in case our listeners would also be interested. That's right. So, the first one is Marketing Brew and Morning Brew, should I say, because, and they also have another one called Retail Brew. So, I've, I've actually subscribed to all of those and I read them pretty much daily. Now, some of them, like Retail Brew, for example, just comes once a week, but Morning Brew and Marketing Brew is a daily newsletter. That's right. I also read Mark Manson's newsletter. Now, he's not a marketer as such, although he's a really good marketer. It's kind of like uh, Tim Ferriss and, and people. It's kind of, are they marketers? No, but they're really good at marketing. I really like Mark Manson. We also, I think you read CB Insights as well, don't you? I do. And we've got another one called Stacked Marketer. Go the extra. In addition to these, I'll just mention, I actually pay for news. And so there's some newsletters I actually pay for. Uh, one of them is Search News You Can Use by Murray Hayes. I think I pay 18 or $20 a month for that. And the value it provides is a weekly newsletter where she gives a roundup of all things SEO. And in 20 minutes or half an hour, I can be on top of everything that's happened. So she trolls Twitter and Reddit threads and all those kinds of things, pulls it all together. That's very valuable to me to get that once a week and I stay informed. Also read Stratechery, TechBound and a few others. Are there any other, do you actually pay for any news, Ian? To be honest, Craig, no, I don't. Yeah, fair enough. But you know what? I think what you've highlighted a really good point. As time goes on and people's inboxes get full, so in saying that I don't pay for content in that particular manner, I'm a part of masterminds that specialize in, say, paid advertising or marketing and Google ads, and I'm a part of that, and I pay for that on a monthly basis because, again, like you said, there are people in there that are testing and doing things on a daily basis, and they, on a monthly basis, provide insight into stuff that I might not necessarily come across. So I will actually learn from that and then consume information that way. So it's a bit different, but kind of in the same manner. You're basically happy to save time. Time is money, as they say. Maybe it's just because I'm getting old, Ian. I'm happy to pay. We're both getting old, Craig. To save time. (laughs) Alrighty. Try to pull back some of that youth. Anyway, our HubSpot marketing feature of the week. So Craig, firstly... Well done for being one of the one and only PySync certified partners in Australia, Craig. Yeah, well, thank you for putting me onto this. And that's right, listeners, we're going to chat about PySync today in a little bit of depth. And we did cover this many episodes ago when it was first announced, I think last November. But you put me onto this recently. You reminded me of this, Ian, because I think you're the first certified partner in Australia, PySync certification. And perhaps that's news to people. They might not even realize there's a PySync certification, but we've got a link to it in the show notes. And really useful. This really was a useful way to learn about the platform and open my eyes. And let's chat about PySync. That's right. So listeners, PySync is what you would call a integration platform as a service or also known as IPaaS. 
Don't they just love their acronyms? And really the difference is you might be thinking, hey, I know about Zapier, why would I use PySync? So one of the really key differentiators between PySync and Zapier is Zapier is trigger-based. So something's got to take place for you to trigger an action that takes place beyond that. PySync is a synchronization platform. So that's where data is synced between the two platforms. And the simplest manner of this would be syncing of contact data between two different platforms like HubSpot and Outlook, for example. Of course, we couldn't forget in there, one of the, in some of the training we had was that it says that iPass gives you the flexibility to scale and grow better. But that's right. This was a key difference that's worth, well, just repeating so that people don't miss it. You've just covered it. But I thought, especially when it was first announced, I thought, oh, PySync, that's just HubSpot's version of Zapier. Why would I use it? And you've highlighted it there. It's synchronization, not trigger-based. So, The key point, I know you just said this, but I want to repeat it for the listeners so that's really clear because they're two different products. And later on in the show, we're actually going to talk about PySync because you had a chat with one of the PySync guys and they still use Zapier for some of their things where PySync is not a fit and in other cases, PySync is a better fit. So it's around the synchronization. So you've got two contacts, maybe a contact in Google Contacts and a contact in HubSpot. That's a really good example. You just want to keep them in sync. Oh, I change it on my phone, it goes back. Oh, I change it on HubSpot, it goes. Now, you don't want to use Zapier for that because then you've got a trigger on something changing or on the specific field of oh, this changes, how do I catch it? Whereas PySync, it's just like, okay, it's made the connection. I'll just make sure every couple of minutes they're synced. It's really powerful. So let's actually go on to some of those use cases then. Okay, so the first one I said was um, syncing contacts and companies. And you might do this across Office 365. You might do this across your... Apple account, because if you're using Apple, you might use do it across Google. So these are the most common ones. And actually talking to the PySync guys, the most common syncs is actually between Google and Office 365. That's the most common ones that are being utilized with PySync. A next one could be syncing a subset of HubSpot contacts. So key customers into your Google contacts, because you can actually set the criteria you want to have sync. This is actually one I'm setting up at the moment. So I don't want all our contacts from HubSpot. You know, we've got 70,000 in our HubSpot portal. I don't want all of them going over to Google to contacts and ending up in my phone. But I do just want our key customers so that if there's a phone number update or anything like that, it's synced between the two. And also sometimes I'm on the phone and they'll call me and I'll say, oh, new number, didn't recognize. Oh, add to existing contact, bang, that goes in, oh, synced back. It's really nice. And here's another one that people might want to use. It's syncing your customers from HubSpot over to zero. So save that time of when you're raising invoices to actually go, okay, well, it's they become a customer, their contacts get synced, then all that finance has to do is raise the invoice. This is such a pain point for us because we, we HubSpot is our, our source of truth. And then every time, oh, that's become a customer. Okay, someone's got to go and set that up in zero. So this is going to save us a lot of time. What's so crazy about this is that Zero created an integration with HubSpot. Have you seen this in the app marketplace? Yes. Yep. But it syncs from Zero over to HubSpot and like not the other way. It's like, come on, why? Who who on earth would first put it into Zero to then sync to HubSpot? Surely it would go the other way. Or maybe that's just our case. But yeah, let's talk about some of the good things. That's right. So this is continuous syncing versus compared to Zapier that's trigger-based. Also the interface. You know, I really like the PySync interface now that I've got into it. And just the way they've laid it out, you have a connection and then you can very easily see the filters on them all on one page. And then the the field mappings 
can create your own field mapping. It's very slick to use. Whereas Zapier, as you would know, it's very kind of uh, step one, step two, and then you try and do something. One thing Zapier does have on some of their higher tiers that we use is calculated values. I don't think PySync has no. that, but that's it's a bit of an outlier. We don't use that a lot, I have to say. The another good thing it has is the centralized billing with teams. So that's a really good thing. I really like this. You can have a team of people in your account and just one centralized billing. Also, the simplicity to create these filtered syncs, exactly like that use case we we're talking before, from HubSpot to Google Contacts, only a subset, only key customers. So they're the good things. However, I think there's some bad things, Ian. I know you don't feel as strongly about this as me. So I, I'm going to have a little bit of a rant. You're kind of like, I'll get over yourself, Craig. But <laughs> So I'll let you take away the first one, Craig, the one that right. uh, really grates you the most. This, this annoys me so much. And look, credit to PySync because I did chat with them and I've been going backwards and forwards with one of the guys there and they've been very nice about it and does seem like I'm an unusual case. But their login process, we talked about this back in our episode back in November when it was first announced. This drives me nuts. They have this passwordless login where where you go to login, you put in your email address and then it emails you a code that you then have to go to your email, find it and put the code in into login. Now that's fine if it's just you. But we often look after accounts, especially with Zapier, for our clients. So every single one of our clients has a Zapier account and they give us the login. We store it in LastPass securely so we can share it amongst our team to specific people as they need it. It's all protected, yet we can't even do that with PySync because then we have to go to the client, oh, login, oh, get this code. It's just ridiculous. And I just don't understand it. And the other thing is we mentioned in the good things above that they've got this centralized billing. That's great. I really like it. However, you can't share connections between team members. So it's almost like that passwordless login and can't share connections. Between, it's almost like they're combative because if you could share connections between team members, then the passwordless login wouldn't bother me. It's like, oh, okay, well, I've got my login into the team account. Oh, I'll share this connection. Okay, I can look after it. But you can't. I'm <laughs> just like... It's so frustrating. I will say that those connections are per person. It's kind of good because some people, you know, I might connect to zero. I might not want other people in the team doing that. And in saying that, Craig, is that, like, for example, you're syncing your contacts between HubSpot and let's say your Office 365 account. You have to connect to that person's profile in 365. So you can kind of understand in that perspective when syncing contacts, it needs to be on the per-user basis. Look, I agree with that. And I'm not saying all connections should be shared, but I'd like the option to share some connections between team members. Uh, and maybe that'll come. I don't know. And the thing is, and what we've got as a next step for PySync is they've got this new PySync certification, which we chatted about at the start of this segment. Go and do it. But the fact that they're whole building out a partner program means, well, to me, it means perhaps they are focusing more on teams than individuals. So maybe they'll improve some of these login processes. And the other thing you can't do with PySync currently is it only syncs contacts and companies, not deals, tickets, and other objects. So just be aware of that. When you think, ah, I can go and sync everything. No, that's not the case. It's really contacts and companies. Anything with an email address, pretty much. That's what you want to think about. It's very focused around email addresses. and Correct. And that's the, that's the gap they fit. So, look, I've had a little bit of a rant there. However, I am a convert to this, and I think we're going to be setting up PySync accounts for all our clients as well. 
just all the simple things like HubSpot to MailChimp, making that better, or MailerLite, which is what we use for a number of clients as well. And it syncs everything. So this is not just a trigger on an action. It's syncing the client, things like unsubscribes, all of that. It's just going to keep it all in place. I just, yeah, you've, you've convinced me, Ian, PySync, um, I'm a convert. Excellent. I would encourage people just to understand this better, do the PySync certification. And one of the things, obviously, if you are implementing this for others and you want to partner with PySync, you can do that. And when you do that, you can organize access to client accounts with their permission on a case-by-case basis. So just be aware that that is available if you are a partner, PySync certified partner. All right, Craig, and I thought leading on from this to the HubSpot sales feature of the week, and this is something that we've just sold for a Another potential customer of ours is that they wanted to have a centralized place where they have all of their contacts. And so they have lots of salespeople on the road. And so they wanted to make sure that the contacts that were in HubSpot went into Office 365. And so we've actually set up PySync to make sure that there's contacts sync between the two. So when they're out on the road and they make a call, they've actually got the right details. So, and that was actually relatively quick to set up but also works really well. So we're actually seeing that data being synced across the two systems. So it's a great way for sales to have all the data they need to make the calls that they need in a timely fashion. All right, now, Craig, we're going to talk about the HubSpot absorption of the week. And this is PySync dog fooding, uh, which I've found interesting because you've chatted with them and they yeah, highlighted, well, you know, first of all, they're not an American company. To, they're not a HubSpot company, so they weren't using HubSpot for the CRM and perhaps still aren't. They weren't using HubSpot meetings, for example. So even after I connected, they sent me a link. Do you want to chat? Here's a Calendly link. So that's right. what's really interesting about that, they are moving over. But HubSpot, I really like this. They, they haven't kind of come in, so I oh, stopped doing everything you're doing. Keep doing it your way. And one of the things that they've highlighted is, well, they use PySync to sync a whole lot of their tools together. They also use Zapier, I, I think, as far as you mentioned, for some of the That's things, because right. it's a benefit for some pieces. So they are a, just a perfect example of a company using their own product to run their own business. And with that in mind, it's probably why the tool is so good and so easy to use. Correct. And I think they've taken a very similar approach to HubSpot where they have built the tool because they had a need for it to connect systems together and keep data in sync. And you see how HubSpot has done it over the years, how they've built CRM because they wanted a CRM that worked for them. And even the marketing tools, like you can just see, I think there's a similarity of culture there that's present. So that's a really interesting thing. Now, here's a really interesting fact I picked up from my discussion with them. Because when you're using PySync or you use Zappy, you think, wow, this is so good. It's so quick. I can get something off and running really quickly, right? Behind the scenes to make this work really well, he was saying, or they were mentioning to me, a connector can take around 46 weeks to build, design, develop, do the requirements gathering. They said a lot of the time, it's actually not on the HubSpot side. It's the other systems that they want to connect to that don't have properly defined APIs or the connectors are not to the same standard as what HubSpot provides. Therefore, this is where a lot of the time gets taken in in defining what's going to move, how it should move, how often it should move, and to get that right so it works seamlessly. And that is one of the biggest things 
that they need to get right because there's an initial sync that takes place. So it's establishing consistency. And then there is the ongoing syncing that takes place. So these are things that they need to get right. And it's very easy for us in in our business to go, why isn't that working? Or it shouldn't be that hard. But really to make it that easy for us, it is that hard. So I take my hats off to them because I know for a fact, and and you know, we work, we have worked in software. And sometimes things to make them work really well actually takes a lot of effort in the background to make that happen and make it seem simple. All right, people. Now here's our HubSpot gotcha of the week. Now, for those of you who are using Messenger, Facebook Messenger in HubSpot, you've got to connect to the conversations inbox. Here's a little gotcha. This week I was doing it, I've connected it, testing it out with one of our customers. And I thought, okay, I'm going to test this out. So I just tell them, just message me. So I know that they exist in our CRM. Anyway, they started messaging me and this is going into conversations inbox, having the conversation. I'm looking at the contact. I'm like, yes, recognize contact. I'm like, I can't associate this with the customer in my, in my data in, in CRM. And I didn't understand why I tried to update it. I couldn't. Anyway, I then finished the conversation and then I went to HubSpot support and I said, look, why is this happening? Why have I got a new contact with the person's name, origination point being messenger, and why can't I associate it with my existing customer that's already in there? And this is what happened. They said it's due to the Facebook API where the contact had signed up using their phone number for Facebook and not their email address. So HubSpot was unable to associate the email address field that existed in HubSpot. So essentially create another contact. So in this scenario, what you needed to do was merge the two contacts together after the conversation, and then you'll have everything in the same contact. But there's a gotcha that I never knew so about. So can I just check, you were able to tell that they were the same based on their name? You happen to know their name? Correct. Yeah, look, that makes sense. We actually have lots of uh, Facebook Messenger contacts in and none of them have email addresses. So I didn't even know you could do this. And the, the thought of merging them, I think that's, I hadn't even thought of that. I just assumed, oh, we'd never get it. So that's really good to know. But let's say they let's say they had signed up with an email address on Facebook. Does that actually come through? How do the, how does that actually come through so that you can sync it? Apparently so. Or connect it? Yeah, no, okay. I don't know, but that is what I've been told. And maybe we need to test that. Mm. Okay, good one. But there you go. I was actually about to delete the, I was thinking of deleting the contact of the association, but I should then realized I should, like as HubSpot said, was merge the two post the conversation. Hey, did they come up in the merge list, the suggested merge items the, that HubSpot uses no. its AI to, to find? But you know what? Maybe at the, so I only tried it out this week. So that system I think runs on Sunday night when we get that list. So actually I'll probably uh, wait and yeah. I'll see whether next Monday or Sunday, I'll get a notification saying that there, there, there's a potentially duplicate there. All right. Marketing tip of the week, Craig. Now, this is something that we've, we, we were both talking about this today is about reviewing our traffic sources. And these are conversations we have with clients to understand where is our traffic coming from. And why I did this was I was reviewing some data of a customer we we're helping and these guys sell workwear, right? And as I was talking to one of my colleagues and they were talking about all the SEO strategy and the strategy around content, I found something really interesting. I saw this 200% increase in visits from YouTube. And I was like, hang on a second, what's going on here? There's such a big increase all of a sudden. 
Anyway, I was digging into it and I really have worked out, well, who am I selling to, right? People that are buying workwear, most likely tradies. What are they doing? They're not sitting around reading stuff. They like watching stuff, right? So I thought, okay. And I tracked it back and I'd realized that the owner had created one video a year ago. And that was the one video that was bringing in the traffic. I had this light bulb moment and I thought, hang on a second. Maybe we should just do a few more videos and drive more traffic instead of doing content. So what we did was we tried to understand, well, who are we targeting and how are they consuming content, right? And just let's do more of that. Now, one of the really interesting things is because I don't directly talk to the customer because it's a happens to be a relationship that I have with a old university friend of mine. And so she goes, oh, he, he, he's creating videos every week and he puts them on Facebook, but he never put it onto YouTube. And I did a bit of research. I tried to find out who else was doing stuff like this. I found one guy that was doing it and done some like a year or two years ago not optimized. So actually didn't get a lot of traffic. They're actually pretty good videos, to be honest. I don't understand why he doesn't keep doing it, but it was really interesting. So I said, look, there's an opportunity for us. Like, let's test this out as a way to get more traffic from the right audience that we need so they can buy more stuff. I think that's such a simple yet powerful. It's powerfully simple. Oh no, it's deeply powerful. Yeah? <laughs> deeply powerful, Craig. <laughs> Insight. And just takes you back to the simple things because sometimes we overthink stuff, don't we? And here Correct. you've gone back, you've just tracked it back, and then you've been, okay, this one particular piece of content, let's do a bit more of that. You've done a bit of competitive research. Okay, it's not uh, saturated. There is still opportunity there. Okay, he's actually producing the content. He's doing it on another platform. So this is just a very simple implementation channel update, and it's probably going to return very powerful results. Now, leading on from that, Craig, our inside of the week was driving right on from that. And this is something really... Interesting that you highlighted. All right. So switching gears. So not the tradies, but this is more in the enterprise space. It's around campaign targeting versus targeting for campaigns. I'll explain what I mean by that. Because when you're building enterprise campaigns, it can be very easy to just focus on a particular product or service. You build out your campaign schedule for the year and you go, oh, you know, in July, we're going to do this and it's focusing on this product and that. And so what happens is you start with the messaging first or the product or the promotion idea, the topic first. Then you drive down, then you go, okay. And then as part of that, somewhere along the line, you kind of say, okay, well, here's targeting, who are we going to target? And that might affect the ads. And that's perfectly fine. That's actually a pretty normal way to work. However, the flip side, which you also have to keep in balance, is you need to start with the persona first, like the targeting first, and then drive into the campaigns. So this is just basically a reminder that it's about getting this balance of persona versus topic focus right, getting that mix right. And in our particular case with a client, uh, I won't mention who they are, but enterprise space, all these campaigns underway, and we're kind of like, oh, maybe we should tweak the messaging based on current you know, climate and work from home and this. And we actually had to take a step back and say, oh, hang on, we've actually got so far down in the weeds of this particular campaign, we're actually starting to lose sight of our persona. So let's take it all back start with the persona again, and then just check which campaigns we want to run. So it's a flip. One of the quick tactical ways to keep ideas fresh, and you highlighted this to me, was the persona versus pain points matrix. We've got a very simple table in the show notes, and basically down one side you say your personas, and then across the top you go your pain points. And then in the matrix segments or slots, you talk about the particular content that you're going to do in each. So if a pain point, for example, is a how-to pain point, well, maybe it's a video. 
if it's a what's the process pain point, it's it's a checklist. And we've got a few others in there, don't we? examples as well, don't we, Ian? Correct. And then if it's a help me understand pain point, that could be a blog post. And if it's in-depth understanding that they require, then maybe an ebook could address that. Now, why I wanted to highlight this and I wanted to give a shout out to a lot of uh, uh, listeners was when I was training their team, I actually saw their three personas stuck on the wall. And when they came up against about what do we give people, it was really easy because I looked up on the wall and I, and I kind of saw here are their pain points. And I said, oh, let me just pick one thing from this persona and one thing from this persona who you're talking to and let's address that. So I said, maybe that's a video. Maybe you need to actually create a video so you can get in front of them appropriately to solve their pain point. And it just became so evidently clear. And one of the things that actually sparked from that was like, they go, oh, we need to actually update that. But you know, one thing that I really liked was it was front and center. So as they were making their calls, as they were doing their marketing activity, they could see these personas in front of them. And so I encourage people Think about if you're in sales and marketing, stick the persona of that person in front of you as you're making your calls and doing your daily work might actually help you. Now, with that in mind, I wanted to talk about the overarching account-based marketing approach that we've talked about many times where you have different stakeholders, decision makers involved. And it's really important to understand your personas in there, like who is an influencer, who is a blocker, who holds the money in the deal, who is someone who is championing the deal, for example. And in saying that, one of the really key things I discovered while doing some, uh, the lesson, the ABM lesson in HubSpot Academy was one of the things they say is that with ABM, it's actually more important to have a marketer and a salesperson, you know, like a tactical team. And to start off with just one salesperson, one marketing person and understanding who the companies are, who the people are, and so you can target them appropriately. And you, so one really interesting stat was one marketer could support up to 10 salespeople. And then once you get beyond 10, it's worth adding another marketer and then splitting up and then growing it again. But it really highlighted to me how important it was for sales and marketing to work cohesively together to make the strategy work because the messaging and how you talk to each of the individuals within the account-based marketing approach was so critical to the outcome of getting a great outcome versus a mediocre outcome. Craig, you had a great cracker of a resource. All right. So this is from Orbit Media and thanks to Andy over at Orbit Media. The perfect B2B website service page. We've got a image or screenshot in the show notes. Check that out. Really useful layout. If you've got a service offering, Here's the way to lay out the page. Just go and check out the article. Now, Craig, what's our quote of the week? I actually love this quote. Yeah, this is from Naval. I, I love his thinking. I follow him on Twitter and listen to his podcast. But he said, groups search for consensus, individuals search for truth. That's a quote. That's actually the heading of the blog post, the title of a blog post. Go and read it for the full picture as he explains it. But I really like this because I'm, I'm not a fan of group think. I think it's often the blind leading the blind and you'll see these groups where very well-meaning people jump in and give opinions that are ill-informed but perhaps persuasively delivered and ultimately dangerous, I feel. So find experts and search for the truth. Well, listeners, thank you for listening to this episode. Please follow us on the socials. Also, please connect with Craig and myself on LinkedIn and say you listen to the show. We'd love to connect with you. 
and start a conversation. We have been really enjoying all the people that have connected with us over the last three months and just getting to know you guys. It's been such a pleasure to, uh, to know that there are so many good people out there doing great things. So I encourage everybody that listens, continue to do good, continue to help one another. And Craig, until next time. Catch you later, Ian. Thank you for listening to this episode of HubShots. For show notes, resources, HubSpot news, including practical strategies you can implement, visit us at hubshots.com.